Hello, everyone. Happy whatever day it is you're listening to this. Uh, God's blessings to you. Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. And super excited to have back on the podcast, drum roll please on your microphone, one and only Amber L.B. Swenson. Before I we hit record, Amber. you got my name right. I've, I literally I have been. I appreciate that. I have Thank been you. working on it since we Thank talked. Mm-hmm. I just put uh, L, the letter L, period B. Perfect. And it's really helped me. So thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, happy to. I just found out I've been mentoring a, a seventh grader for like two years and I was at my barber and I mentioned the kid's name. He's like, oh, I know him. He's a great family. And then he says the kid's name and he says it different than I do. Yeah. And it dawned on me. It was two years. And this poor kid, he's so nice. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't oh. have the courage to say, that's not actually my name. <laughs> so it only took me six months to get yours right. So that's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, thanks that for chatting today. We're much we're gonna... better. Thank you for that story. You're welcome. That, that makes me feel better. <laughs> six months instead of two years. <laughs> Just by comparison. Yes. Don't be offended. It's good for me. Yeah. Hey, we're going to dive into another behind the series chat. So why don't I pass the, the baton, the microphone over to you? Yeah. So this series for February is called churchy words explained and why you should care. You examine six words, good, grace, saved, faith, kingdom, and cross. Why or how did you choose these words? And did they have anything to do with Ephesians 2? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Great question. No, nothing to do with Ephesians 2. Um, This, yeah, this series is really big for me philosophically, I think. Um, when I jumped into the, uh, the seat here as the lead speaker for time of grace, I remember we had this like series of videos about true passions for me when it comes to life and ministry. And really this series is about one of them, which is just clarity when it comes to biblical teaching. Like, I don't want to read my Bible without clearly understanding it. I don't want to sing a song of worship without clearly getting it. And I don't want to write a book or preach a sermon where I couldn't hit pause and ask people, did you get it? And have them nod their head. Yes. So, you know, for me, it's so, so important to remember that the Bible doesn't work like your breakfast. So what'd you have for breakfast this morning, Amber? You're giving me a funny look. I'm going to explain this. So stick with me. I had a bagel and coffee. All right. Now the bagel worked, whether you like swallowed it without chewing or tasting it or if you savor it if you like smell the flavor of the bagel mm-hmm. if you really enjoyed like the little crispy crunch if you put it in the toaster the, the creaminess of the cream cheese like whether you savor and enjoy it means nothing to your body because the calories get into your body either way the bible is not like that so if you just go and like devour a sermon but you don't savor it. You don't think of it. You don't get it. I said the Lord's prayer check. I made it through a church service check. I listened to this Christian podcast check. Your soul does not benefit unless you get it. Right. That's why I can't like preach faith to you. If I was preaching in Russian, even if it was the word of God, if you didn't get it, you wouldn't be like, Oh, my faith is so much stronger. Right. Does that make sense? It does. But I'm just wondering, have you been like this? How long have you been like this? Cause this <laughs> feels like a very mature thing. I I'm asking because 
I started probably two years ago when I read books, I read with a notebook a lot of times mm. because I want to keep those, well, two reasons. You're a minimalist, but you have tons of books. I get rid of all my books. <laughs> so I can't take notes in my books anymore. So I keep notebooks of the mm. like quotes and stuff that I want yeah. to keep from those. But that sounds like a very mature thing. So my question is how, how long have you been that you like this mature about that? Wow. But you don't want to sing a song unless you get it. And you know what I mean? This is, I think there's been a lot of adjectives used to describe me. Mature rarely comes up. So I'm just, I'm savoring this moment right now, Amber. This is big. I'm going to tell Kim yeah, about this after we're done. Savor. Like get an amazing sister in Christ said that I was mature, honey, which <laughs> do you want to take it back with now? your wife? Nope, 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 nope. You cannot use me. Nope. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to send her the link to this podcast and it's, go. it's recorded. We're not going to edit this part out for sure. Yeah. But you I think know, you I, hit on something though. I mean, I think you really did hit on something because I, I have tried really hard in church to pay attention to the hymns because it's so easy, like so easy to just, you know, yeah. go somewhere else and just, yep. especially if you grew up in the church, like if, if it's churchy, if it's a churchy hymn, you know, the melody, like yep. it's so easy to get lost. So I think that's a really neat thing that you're, you're being cognizant of. I, I want to be here. I want to know what this means. I want to mm. say the Lord's prayer. I don't want to just ramble it off. So, I mean, is this yeah. new or is this something that you've been doing your whole ministry? Um, I, I think it's always, maybe it's cause I I'm a public school kid. So I grew up going to church, but unlike some of my classmates who are studying to be pastors, um, like all of my friends were not church people. And so I just had to explain, if I wanted to share my faith, I couldn't just assume that someone knew what the word grace meant. Yeah. Like, what is that a girl that, you know, grace, like, no, you'd have to break it down in like the street level language. And it's kind of cool. I, I think the Lutheran church has a great heritage of that. Remember when Martin Luther was trying to translate the Bible into German from Latin. I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Amber. Touché. <laughs> Do you remember, let me rephrase. Do you remember the story of what <laughs> this is going to be, this is going to be our best podcast ever. You know, it's interesting. I didn't realize I was thinking you went to public or to Christian school the whole time. I didn't realize you went to public school because I went to public school. Hmm. And I think it, I think I always feel still to this day, I feel outside of the churchy people because I, I missed on out on so many of the things that they take for granted. You know, they can throw the jargon around like nothing. And you saying, oh, remember when Martin Luther translated the Bible? And I'm like, uh, yeah, no, no, I, <laughs> I don't remember that, Mike. I, I guess I missed that because I didn't go to, you know, Christian high school or Christian college or. Yes, I'm not. I'm, well, then let me tell an amazing story. So Martin Luther is trying to translate. No one understands Latin, right? In the, the villages of Germany. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to put the Bible into the language that people get. So take all the, the churchiness of this foreign language. And so he would try to translate things. And then if the, the story is true, he would actually leave his study. He'd go out into like the, the common streets of the village and he would ask people, how would you say this? And it was the, the cobblers and the farmers and the blacksmiths and the, the milkmaids who would help him put the Bible actually into words that everyday people would understand. And so I think that's a, a just a huge part of where 
this series comes from and just the passion that we have at Time of Grace is let's not let's not be speaking some like Latin-ish equivalent where people say amazing grace, but when you ask them on the streets, well, what is that? Let's make sure we break it down, slow down, pause, so people can understand the beauty of all these amazing words. I love that. I've been teaching young people for a really, really long time. And that's one of the things that I do constantly. I constantly am, you know, saying, what does the word delight mean? You know, because mm. we just rattle off these passages, delight yourself in the Lord. And you, you make the kids learn these, these passages, and then they may or may not know what you're saying. And so yeah. if you break it down to delight means to take great pleasure in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means you're spending time with him there. You know, so I, I love that. That's Martin Luther and I would have gotten along very well. <laughs> Someday. I think, I think you would have. Yes. Someday. Okay. So what is the danger in assuming that we're all on the same page when it comes to these commonly used words in the church? Yeah. Um, you know, really, if I had to summarize it, what's the what's the big win of this series? I would use the word joy. So there's something so beautiful, so joy-inducing when you actually understand what your Heavenly Father wants to communicate to you. So when you really get grace, wow, it's amazing. It's joyful. When you understand what it's like to be part of the kingdom of God or all the blessings that come through the cross of Jesus. Um Makes me think of that story in Acts chapter eight. Uh, I love that one where this uh, the Ethiopian, he's in his chariot and he's reading this. He has somehow a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, and God sends the uh, the disciple Philip to run alongside the chariots. And the question is, hey, you know, Mister African, do you understand what you're reading? Mm -hmm. And I love his response. He says, uh, no. <laughs> and he says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? Oh, that's like a, that's like a verse I want tattooed on my face. Just like, it's not bad to say, I, I'm never going to get this until someone explains this to me. And so he humbly invites this guy into his chariot. And it's an amazing story. You can read about it in Acts 8. But at the end of it, it says this Ethiopian went back to Africa full of joy because he understand now, understood then uh, what the Bible actually was saying. So to me, that's the danger. We're going to miss. It's right there. We're like, we have it in our hands, but unless someone explains to us what these words mean, we're going to miss the Jesus in them and we're going to miss the joy in them too. And how many times haven't you heard? I know I've heard a ton of times, you know, people say, I would read the Bible, but I just don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I've tried to read the Bible, yep. but I just don't understand it. And just what you said, you know, people may be trying, but just basic vocabulary can be yeah. slowing them down that they yep. just don't understand what this passage means or this account means. So to give that to them yep. is such a gift. That's a, that's a great account to bring up. Philip and the Ethiopian. Perfect. So you noted in the faith sermon and again, in the cross sermon that the world has very different ideas of so many of these words. And there's a good chance that our version of um, what these words mean could be very, very different than the world's. So in our conversations with unbelievers, when we say things like, I'll pray for you, or you just have to have faith, how can we communicate with unbelievers to make sure that they're getting what we're trying to say? Mm. Yeah, that's tricky. 
I mean, it's hard enough to communicate with other Christians who have like a baseline. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any magical shortcut of like (laughs) Mike and Amber's three tips to communicate clearly. (laughs) It's going to take some, it's like communication with a significant other. You're going to have to say something. You're going to have to ask, does that make sense? Or what do you think I just said? And you're going to have to clarify and you're going to have to rephrase. You're going to have to repeat. Um, I think it's good if we just like remember, hey, a lot of this is jargon and we've just forgotten that because we've heard it for so long. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ever since I was in middle school, what does grace mean? Undeserved love. Okay. Well, no wonder it's amazing. But if I'm saying that to a friend who hasn't had that education in the church, I have to really slow down and remember like, oh yeah, grace is kind of a Bible word. Oh yeah, forgiveness to to the average person. They think to forgive means to forget, but that's not at all what the Bible means. Um, Jesus. Doesn't this get tricky? Because I know on social media, people will say, you know, pray or send good vibes. And I'm always like, I don't even want to say that I'll pray for you because if it, if it happens, Hmm. are you going to think it was the good vibes? Or you, you know what I mean? Sure. Like yeah. it, it gets yep. really tricky when you, when you want to say, I'm praying for you or, you know, but it's, it's not at all the same as having good vibes or sending yeah. good vibes your way or hoping karma turns out in your favor this time. Or you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, maybe that that's a great example. Let's rephrase it and say, I'm going to talk to my father in heaven today Yeah. to give you strength for A, B, and C. So just so we don't think this is some like weird spiritual karma vibes ish, like, no, I'm going to talk to the God who is my father because of Jesus. I'm going to ask him to help you. So Mm -hmm. I'm just rephrasing it in maybe ways that go around the, the roadblock of confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was actually surprised at the good sermon because I thought going into it, I mean, this is just my arrogance. I'm being totally honest, you know, I'm like, <laughs> what's Mike going to teach me about good? You know, I know the word good. So, um, you know, I was kind of surprised, but the fact is that's a simple word that is so important to understand. Mm. And yet we have so many other words in the church, justification, sanctification, legalism, all these other things. And then when you get in these crazy groups that they're really, you know, high-end Christian, then you get even oh. bigger <laughs> words. High-end Christians. That's an interesting phrase. Oh, so, Those fancy people. <laughs> so in 2020, have you ever were, heard, um, or you've read, I know you've read Walter's The Proper Distinction of Law and Gospel. You've read that, right? I have read that book. Yep. Yeah. Did you read it in like eighth grade, I suppose? <laughs> I did not. No, it wasn't until seminary, I think, that I heard of okay. that book. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to read it. It was actually suggested reading for me. So, you know, I, I very innocently picked it up. And for those of you who have not had the pleasure, it's 400 and some pages of eight point font. There are no pictures. And I would call that high-end Christianity. I took 45 pages of notes and so many of the notes are vocabulary. Like Mm. this word means this. And then I have to go back and read the sentence, knowing now what that means. Yes. 
So yes, Mike, there are high-end Christian churches <laughs> that use all these oh. words that Amber just found out about in 2020. So. Yes, uh, I'm laughing about this because one of my best friends, she became a Christian a couple years ago, and she's just a great learner. She's super on fire. And I told her about that very book. Yeah. So if you're listening, you don't know, um, CFW Walther, uh, he was the founder of a Lutheran denomination in America. And he lived in the 1800s. And he had this really, really great book called The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel, which is basically lectures he was giving to future pastors. Mm -hmm. And they wrote them all down. And, you know, I, I read the book after half of a seminary education, and it's still pretty challenging. So I decide like, hey, there's this really powerful book. And I give it to my friend. Her name is Amna. And she to this day, we're like five years down the road. And she like, it's like, I, I spend so much time like Googling words that I don't know. <laughs> yes. right? So oh, this good. Is, yeah, this is the, the whole point of like, I, I have the background to understand it and it brings me joy and insight. but mm -hmm. everyone's at a different place with their knowledge of biblical terms, Bible passages, context. And so it's going to be more frustration than setting faith on fire. If we don't really grasp and understand what we're reading. Well, and I, I mean, I think I, I actually think I grew by leaps and bounds. It was definitely worth doing. It was just funny to me because I started, I was asked to be part of a Bible study with these super mature Christians. They, <laughs> you like, mean all high end just, Christians? High end Christians who just, you know, <laughs> throw this around like, oh yeah, I read that, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And I'm thinking, do I even admit that I, I have no idea what they're talking about? And I thought, no, I'm not even going to admit it. I'm just going to go check it out from the church library and I'm going to read it. And then I'm just going to, you know, throw in little, little sentences here and there. Like, oh yeah, well, well remember when Walter said that after reading it, I'm like, yeah, I won't be throwing any of these things around anytime uh -oh. soon because I have to look up so many words. <laughs> if I even tried to say it, I'd be saying it wrong. And they'd all be like, Amber, you don't really know Walther all that well, do you? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, have you ever heard of the phrase, the curse of knowledge? No, yeah. <laughs> people don't use that with me, Mike. Sorry. This is, <laughs> But they do. So here's, um, I'm going to forget now what book this came from, but this is really, really brilliant that when you have studied something and it could be anything, it could be healthcare, could be medicine, it could be the Bible, it could be fixing cars. When you have known something for a long enough time, the curse is that you don't know how much you know, yeah. right? So I go to the doctor, what, two weeks ago, and the nurse zips up my blood pressure. I'm sure like she does 15 times a day. I only hear my blood pressure numbers once a year. She fires off the number to me and I have zero clue what it means, Yeah. right? So I just say, it's not that she's arrogant or proud or condescending. She just says, blah, 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 over blah, blah, blah. And I always have to ask, is that good? <laughs> or you go to the mechanic and the mechanic yeah. says, you know, your tie rod ends are worn out and this and this. And I have no clue what any of that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not dumb, but I just don't live in that world. And so I have to ask him like, <laughs> here's my question at the mechanic and how much will that cost? <laughs> so uh, the Christians aren't trying to be high end or snooty or condescending. It's just, you forget how much, you know, you forget what it's like to be new. You forget when you don't know the difference between Israel and Judah or the Joseph with the coat of many colors and the Joseph, who's the stepdad of Jesus. Yeah. 
-hmm. or Saul who became Paul compared to the first king of Israel, whose name was also Saul. So it's just, it's natural, it's instinctive. And unless we work really hard, we're going to say things assuming that people know it and we're not going to know that we're doing it. And so I, I would really say this series and the book we're going to talk about in a little bit is really about, ooh, let's fight back against that curse. Let's slow down. Let's think about these words so that everyone can understand and enjoy uh, all the truth that's in the word. So in a way, I mean, just thinking out loud, it's really helpful to have taught children because mm -hmm. you have to slow down and, you know, break it down. Yes. And when we talk to other Christians who may not be um, blessed with the gift of knowledge and who may be new in their faith, that's just a good reminder to yes. slow down and think of it in terms of how would you, how would you explain this to a child? Yes. So, so true. Have you, have you heard this when pastors sometimes do like a children's message and they're forced to take like the concept of the day, like forgiveness and have a little like object lesson and, and teach it at a five-year-old's level. It is so common, so common that grown men and women who have been in the church for a long time will say, that was my favorite part of the service. Yes. I, I, I we've experienced that at our church many yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. So we just maybe assume too much that the, the grown-up sermon, and we just speak at a level that's above the heads of 75% of the people in the church. And so, yeah. yeah, being intentional, you don't have to be like dumb it down, but just explaining things in clear, concrete words is, is just gold in my opinion. So what do you do if you're in the Bible study or if you're listening to a sermon and you really don't understand a word that someone is saying, what, what would you suggest? I mean, clearly we're not going to stop a sermon and say, Hey, Mike, don't know what that word means, but <laughs> what would you say that we do if we're listening to something? We're like, I have no idea. Yes. I, I have hopes. I, I don't know if this will happen, but I think the next book I want to write is going to be called afraid to ask. Mm. Cause to me, asking, having the humility to ask and admit your ignorance is the narrow door that just opens up to the most beautiful biblical space. And people just smile and nod because they're maybe too proud. Like, you don't have to create a scene, but I have a feeling your pastor would be very, very happy or your Bible study leader or your smart Christian friend. If you said, hey, do you remember when you said blank? I really don't know what that means. Can you help? Mm -hmm. Oh, now they're going to get the joy of teaching it. Now they're going to get the lesson that maybe they're not teaching in the most effective way. Now you're going to get your questions answered. So I am just, I've learned that I'm uh, I'm shameless when it comes to like <laughs> hand raised, like, Hey, help me with that. I don't know what that means. I've been in meetings with like high business level people. And I'll just say, I've, maybe you all live in this world, but I've, I have no clue what you just said. Can you help me? And very, case? very rarely are people like put off. Like, who is this idiot interrupting us? They're, they're happy. They want, they want everyone to understand. I say you sit next to someone smart so that you can ask them. I was in a Bible study like three years ago. And you know how, when you just have all of a sudden you're like the word just goes away. You don't know what a simple <laughs> word means. Like you're yes. sitting there, you're like, wait a minute. And I looked at this guy next to me. I'm like, okay, what does the word overt mean? It's like <laughs> obvious. Like it should be obvious, Amber, what the word overt means. Like, oh yeah. Okay. So you just have to sit next to someone smart. 
<laughs> that's a good, that's a good tip. You can either ask or sit next to someone smart. Sit next to someone smart. Yeah. Or take notes and then Google it later hmm. or send the question to your pastor. Hmm. So it's easy, not just to miss the words in the Bible or in a sermon or in a Bible study, but it's easy to miss the meaning of a biblical account when we're reading the Bible. Hmm. And you really got me with the good sermon. Like I said, I was a little arrogant going in thinking I knew it. And you were talking about the rich young man. And I know that account very well. And all of a sudden you switched it up and you were like, well, just imagine he was a retiree and Jesus pulled up in his van and said, well, no, you don't need your recliner. Just get in. And that just clicked for Mm. me. Like if Jesus said, just come right now and you don't need your phone. How Mm. many of us? would be like, no, I don't go anywhere without my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not going without my phone. I mean, I, I, I'll come, but first I have to get some things in order and I need my purse and I need my phone. And yep. so how do we read the Bible in such a way to not miss the applications? Yeah. I think of this all the time when I'm studying the text where I'll ask myself, who is this like today? Or what is this like today? So this morning I was studying um, when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. So I'm like deep, deep, deep in research of how tax collecting worked in ancient empires. And I'm having to ask myself, okay, like I can say Jesus called the tax collector. Yeah. And he had dinner in a tax collector's house. And we're all going to say, we don't, we don't have anything like that. It's not like... <laughs> It's not like having coffee with the woman from the IRS is scandalous. These No one murmurs about that. So you always have to ask yourself, what's the modern equivalent? Who is the kind of sinner that has hurt their community so badly that even being seen in there, even posting a picture of yourself on Instagram with that person would fill up the comment section, Hmm. right? So maybe it's, is it someone who's abused a child? Is it a registered sex offender? Like who, who are, who's the category of people in modern America that you just better keep your distance and not be seen in their home or you don't care about right and wrong. Right. So now, now this story gets really interesting. Yeah. Cause now the Pharisees just aren't these, you know, grouchy religious guys in big hats, but mm-hmm. you can almost relate to them. Like what, why, why is, if, if he is the, from heaven, if he cares about truth and justice more than we do, why is he there with those people? Does yeah. he not care about the people that Matthew robbed, stole from, oppressed, drove into grinding poverty? Okay. Right. Now I'm interested in this story because I want, I want to hear how Jesus answers this question. So, you know, slowing down, not just understanding individual words, but updating characters and accounts so we can kind of relate to them in modern times. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just puts like emotion into these biblical accounts. I think slowing down is such a key factor too. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just reading through your Bible to check it off. Yep. If you're just reading your chapter a day so you can get to the next thing. Yep. Then you probably, I mean, the, the word will work, but you're probably missing so much. Mm. But if you slow down and put yourself in it, it's a totally different yeah. Thing all together. You're so right. Yeah. What's the song? Right. That's what you said. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. T- um, to go back to the, the, the breakfast illustration, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. Don't chomp and swallow. 
Like you won't, you won't see the goodness of this passage. You have, you have to taste it. You have to chew on it. You have to think about it. You have to meditate on it. God doesn't have like your Bible reading plan in heaven. Like you didn't check your box today. So yeah. he does not, he does not care. So slow down, read a quarter as much and just do the kind of things we're talking about. And you'll experience all the joy that's packed into the word. And I know that not everybody's a journaler, journal, how do you say that? Journalist? No, that's all right. <laughs> well, not everybody likes to journal. There you go. Let's put it that way. Um, but I started that about a year ago when I read the Bible, and that has made such a difference to me in mm. just getting the meaning out of yep. what I'm reading. And um, yep. so often it becomes prayers, you know, as mm. I'm journaling. I'm thinking about it and then I'm praying, well, wait a minute, this isn't me. And I want to be more like this. And, yep. and like I said, I know not everybody likes to write, but that's a really great way to, to get more out of your Bible reading. Yeah, I totally agree. My wife does that. She's amazing. She has her notebook out. She's writing in her, her workbooks, in her Bible. Some people feel like they can't write in their Bible. Like it's desecrating the Holy word of God, but God, God loves it. When you're thinking so much, you're underlining, you're circling, you're jotting questions and notes. So yeah, if you're listening and you've never written in a Bible, take the plunge. Today's your yes. day. Yes. <laughs> I have probably upset many parents because as I teach the children, I do the same thing, like underline, circle, make a note, go back to this. So <laughs> yes. yes, I totally, I think that, I mean, I just love writing in my Bible and yeah. it's been huge. So I hope people do that. So as you were going through these words, which one of these hit you the most as you prepared and preached? Mm. Yeah. So the words, once again, are good, grace, saved, faith, kingdom, and cross. I think the one that I've been actually using the most since I wrote these sermons is the idea of kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's so huge in the Bible. You know, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. The apostles spread the message of the king, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This actually came uh, a couple months ago. I was meeting with a young woman who claims to follow Jesus. Uh, she just came out as gay and um, some Christians in her life wondered if I would talk to her because I'd written this little book called Gay and God. Mm -hmm. So before we even get to sexuality at all, I, I, I talk about the kingdom and it, it was so beautiful. I get out a piece of paper. I said, let's imagine this is like a kingdom from way, way back in the day, like in the city of Jerusalem. Um, and I draw these like walls and this little crown inside the kingdom. And I say, like, why do you think the king puts up these big walls and towers and puts guards up here and gates and bars? And this young woman just like, uh, well, to keep people safe. Like, you're exactly right. I said, but if you would go through those gates and you were, you know, entered into the kingdom, do you think you could do whatever you wanted to do? And she says, no, the, well, you probably have to do what the king says, right? I'm like, yeah, perfect. And if you didn't want to do what the king said, would you have options? I suppose you could leave the kingdom. Like, that's right. You could do whatever you want if you leave the kingdom. So why wouldn't everyone leave the kingdom? Because outside the walls, you're not safe. And I'm like, this is like the simplest way for me to understand Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? He, 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 he's thrown open the gates wide. He wants... He wants to keep you safe from sin and shame and guilt and death and hell itself from demons, devils, your past. But once you enter through those gates, he, he doesn't put his crown on your head. He's still the king. 
And so you can't be yourself. You can't follow your own heart. You can't be true to you. That's not how the kingdom works. So repent, change your mind about who's the king and receive this. It really is good news that the walls of God's love are so strong that there is, there is no sin that can get through them. So safety and authority, the kingdom of God. And it's, it's such a concrete way, I think, to grasp so many of these abstract concepts of repentance and faith and salvation that I'm, pre- I'm addicted right now to this concept of the kingdom. Have you done a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer? In 2015, I did. Yeah. Best prayer ever, we called it. Yeah, because that too, I think, uh, as you mentioned, you know, trying to be cognizant of really thinking through the Lord's Prayer and the hard part of that is for any of other catechism teachers out there is that when you're praying the Lord's prayer and you want to, in your mind, think through each petition as you know them to be, but your church is saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to go through the petitions. You know? Yes. So no, um, that's, that's good. For the record. Do you know what just happened? No. The curse of knowledge. Oh, you just mentioned the catechism and the petitions. <laughs> shocking. It is yeah, shocking. I am right? actually pleasantly surprised because I didn't realize I knew much. So. Yeah, it's so true. And that's why it's the curse of knowledge. Like you, I'm sure you shared that, assuming everyone would understand. And that's funny. Yeah, you, you just get caught up in stuff for so long. Yeah. So we should probably define those words. Like, what is a catechism or a catechism or uh, the petitions of the Lord's prayer. So here's my quick definition. Uh, Catechism actually comes from a Greek word, katecheo, and it really means to instruct. So a catechism is just a book that instructs. We might say it's a book that teaches you. So Martin Luther, actually back in the day, 500 years ago, he traveled around and he saw that there was this great, people didn't get the Bible. They didn't understand much about God at all. And so he wrote this book that we call the small catechism, basically to instruct people in the very basics of the Christian faith. So here's the Lord's prayer. Here's what it means. Here's the apostles creed, that ancient statement of faith. Here's what it means. Let's talk about baptism. Here's what it means. And that altogether is this amazing book. Um, I grew up with it called the small catechism. So he had a large catechism, which is a larger book to teach and instruct people. Uh, but the small catechism, if you've never heard of it, is, is worth Googling. So check it out. It's an amazing book. Number two, petitions. So the Lord's Prayer is broken into an opening line, our Father in heaven, and then seven separate requests. And another word for a request is a petition, right? So you might petition the court. You might have a petition that you want the government to do. So you're asking something. So when we say, give us today our daily bread. We're, we're asking God for our physical needs. That's a petition or forgive us our sins or lead us not into temptation or your kingdom come. These are all seven separate requests that Jesus put in the Lord's prayer. And so if you like fancy words, you can call them the seven petitions of the Lord's prayer. Starts can with an address, ends with a doxology, all that together are the people. I think people just come up with fancy words because they run out of things to think about. <laughs> Can I put you on the spot though? Have you, you, so have you studied the large catechism? I'm assuming you did. I have. Yeah. And how is it different than the small catechism? The small catechism was basically a a question and answer kind of format. Like what is baptism? 
Well, let me give you a four breakdown outline. Um, what is communion? Um, the large catechism is more of a, an expand. It's kind of like an essay or, you know, separate chapters on all of those things. So maybe think of the small catechism as like the bullet point basics. And the large catechism is if I had to write a book about these things, here's a chapter on this and here's a chapter on that. And here's a chapter on that. So I love the large catechism. I think it's incredibly readable and super helpful compared to Walther's. Proper distinction of yes. oh. Where does the large catechism fit that's, on that? That's that's fair. You know, it's been a it's been a couple of days since I've read the large catechism, and I'm I'm cursed right with a lot of theological education. So I'd be I'd be curious. You should Google it. You can find the I think the large catechism online for free. And I'm I'm wondering like what your gut reaction is. Is it readable? Is it understandable? Should I recommend it to someone? So there I you go. Do that. You I shouldn't will, have asked. You have some homework now. I will endeavor to read it and take notes and I will report back <laughs> next month on the time of grace podcast. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're right. When we did the sermon series, we took like three minutes for the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And instead of like putting the whole prayer on the screen, we just put one line from it, mm-hmm. our father in heaven. And we give 30 seconds just to think about those words. Yeah. And there are multiple people who will say, even though it's been what seven years, that was their favorite series we've ever done. Like, wow, think of those words. God is a father. What's a father like? Mm-hmm. He gives life. He loves, he'll sacrifice for his kids. Oh, he's not just any father, though. He's our father. Like, if if my buddy's father is a great dad, that doesn't help me too much. But if he's my father, that's really good news. Well, sometimes fathers are bad and abusive and distant and they work too much. No, he's not a father on earth. He's our father in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. He's perfect. So, oh, just slowing down to think about those words is so breathtaking yeah. what they mean. It is. So you're, you're spot on right. Just whether it's prayers, songs, lessons, books, sermons, there's so much goodness there. It's just not easy to get to it. So it takes some work yeah. on the behalf of the listener, the reader, even the teacher, the pastor, but man, the work is worth it. Yeah, for sure. So is there another word that you've come across lately that you want to incorporate into a sermon sometime in the future? Oh, I think the word repent. Oh, I think, I think I would just like to have a sermon series called repent subtitle best word ever. (laughs) Yeah. Just like shake people up. Is it, you know, it's, it feels so bad when repentance essentially means to have a change of mind to turn. Yeah, it's uh in in Hebrew it means to turn around. Yeah. In Greek the word repent metanoia means to change your mind. Mm. So man, you ha- you have these small thoughts about God like he can't forgive you, repent. Change your mind. Yeah. Um you think sin is good for you? Like you're going to live in it and hold on to it, it's not going to hurt you. Oh man, I have some really good news. God wants you to change your mind because he has a better plan for you. Mm. So, hey, let's change our mind about all you know, Jesus preached like the good news of repentance. He, he said, repent. This is a, his first sermon in Mark chapter one. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. I have really good news. You think you couldn't get into the kingdom, yeah. Mr. Tax collector, prostitute, sinner? Like, whoo, change your mind about that. So, yeah. oh man, I think I could get a couple weeks out of a series called Repent. Oh, you absolutely could. That was one of my main themes in um, 2020. Change the narrative. Just Ooh. the idea of taking every word captive, every thought captive. 
So when you have those thoughts that go through your mind, like you're so dumb. Oh, why did you say that? You know? Mm. So where'd that thought come from? Because your heavenly father wouldn't say, yeah, Amber, you're so dumb. You're Mm. so dumb that you said something silly. Would would your father in heaven say that? No. So where did that thought come from? Yes. And when I take every thought captive, then I can like shrug it off. Yeah. I said something not as smart as I could have. Boom. Not that big of a deal. Do you know why this is crazy? Hmm. Guess what my last sermon was? I changed the narrative. Take every thought captive. That text. Oh, wow. Yep. We're in a sermon series called Think Again at our church right now. Nice. And it's everything you just said. I think you just used a bunch of the examples that I preached on on Sunday. So yeah, God, I love moments like that. For sure. For sure. Well, I think that, I think that's one of the things that Christians struggle with the most. Hmm. Just letting the devil set up camp in your mind, you know, that's where shame is. That's why a lot of people can't get rid of their shame is that the devil has camped in their mind and he just keeps running that past them again. Like, Oh, but you did that. Yes. Remember back 10 years ago when you did that. And again, that's not from God. So when you take that thought captive, you can go, you know what? Shut up, Satan. (laughs) We don't care. Amen. Yes. Repent, change your mind. That's good news. Awesome. Amber, I'm excited for this series. A lot of uh, words that are easy to miss, but I hope as people listen in and watch, it's going to be a blessing to just experience what we've been experiencing, uh, rethinking about these simple words. Any last thoughts before I tell our friends about a brand new resource from Time of Grace? No, I think you should. I'd love to. Yeah. So if you're listening out there, uh, Amber and I, and a bunch of other of our coworkers in Christ, we have a brand new book. It's called 30 Words to Fire Up Your Faith. I like that title. So we basically took 30 of these words, like the ones we've been talking about, and have a one-page devotion on each one. And Amber, this is super cool. So I got an advanced copy that I've been working through with my family. Don't be jealous, okay? It was a, It's grace. God can be generous. <laughs> so my family uh, has, has been working through some of the initial words, and it has been so engaging uh, for my kids who are 13 yeah. and 12, and for me. So last night's was, um, the devotion was on the cross. That was one of the 30 words. And the activity was uh, design a tattoo that has a cross in it. So our family all did the drawings. Kim got to vote. Mine was a cool neck tattoo, but Kim totally voted it down. So (laughs) And I think it's important to mention that that's what's really cool about this book is it's not just devotion, but there's activities to engage everybody after you read the devotion, right? Yeah. And it's worked. Like I can remember the word adopted because there's like an adoption certificate where you put your name. There's a crossword puzzle that we did. There's like drawing a cross. So there's, I never thought about that. It's working. (laughs) These words are sticking in my brain. So yeah, uh, you're gonna have to check out uh, the Time of Grace website, 30 Words to Fire Up Your Faith. It's a great book that's gonna help you uh, fire up your faith is our hope and our prayer. All right, hey. Thanks for hanging in there with me and Amber. Hope you were blessed in some small or big way by our conversation today. Uh, More than anything, Amber and I hope that you have a chance not just to hear God's word and not just to read God's word, but to slow down with God's word, to chew on God's word, to savor God's word. So you get God's word because when you get God's word, God's word gets really, really good. So for sure. Yeah. So if this podcast can be a blessing to anyone that you know, uh, maybe something someone's face or name sparked in your brain during our conversation, make sure to share it. 
Once again, if you can like, uh, subscribe, comment, we're blessed by all of that. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Hope you have an amazing day, and may God bless you.